Happy Tuesday and welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives. One minute of screen time per episode. I messed it up, Jim, I'm sorry, but we're going to keep going. Uh, as you know, I'm a complete idiot and I'm British, so I apologise, listeners. But my name's Ethan McKinley and I'm the ex-host of uh, the Two Minute Terminator podcast breaking down the Terminator films two minutes at a time. Now, I was Sans co-host for this particular project, but the greatest guy of them all and the grandfather of all the minute podcasts, Jim O'Kane, has agreed to be my co-pilot, my Chewbacca, if you will. Or Han Solo. <laughs> well, Hello, Jim. How are you? Welcome to the show. Well, good. I'm a, well, I, I'm a grandfather anyway, so it's, <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> the Obi-Wan Kenobi of podcasting. There you are. Yes. I Jim do O'Kane, have the Alec Guinness version. Yes, I'd say the shaggy, the shaggy gray hair, uh, but I, I had a, I, I went to the barber after all these uh, many months, so I, you I'm did. less. Uh, we were meant to like do this like three hours ago, and you, we had a technical issue. I didn't have earphones, and uh, you fitted in a haircut in fifty-five minutes. How you did that, I don't know. Ah, but and well, my head, go. my headphones fit better now, so I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel better without all that hair in the way. Um, but yes, we're, we're, here we are back in. Um, uh, we're we're in the middle of a, of a montage of of uh, watching Frederick March get uh, rapidly drunk. This and... is true, and his his cohorts, his poor wife or the ladies, uh, are not having well. They look like they're having a good time. They're they're smiling through it. They've got the stiff British upper lip, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure that the the wife seems uh, <laughs> not unconvinced. <laughs> yeah. I I am impressed by their ability to hang on to. Uh, hang on to their hats during all of these things everybody seems to have a hat on and uh gosh they look like they use some uh, ten penny nails to hold <laughs> uh, Myr- myrna loy is wearing one just about you know off the back of her head and it's not moving i suppose they had to about that didn't they how yeah. big a star was myrna loy at the time she was enormous she uh okay. I, I mean as, as i mentioned in previous episodes myrna loy was uh was famous for uh she was originally a zigfield girl right. and uh she was in gosh millions of movies most famously in uh, the thin man series but uh, she was quite a uh, quite a looker and quite a uh, a very actively working uh, member of uh, the film community. Does she go back to the 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 is she is she pre talky movies? Is she kind of a silent star? Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was she was back then, and and also you know being in the Ziegfeld, she was you know one of those big uh, flower dancers going around. Yeah, uh, friends with Flo Ziegfeld and all that. So uh, she... I imagine that. Oh, sorry. Carry on. Oh, no, go ahead. No, please do. I was going to say. I, 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 did uh, it claim a lot of casualties, as it were, like professionally, actors trying to transition from silent to talk? It's, it's a totally different acting style, of course. But yeah, learning how to act and be, I guess, what is it, psychological realism, the Chekhov style of acting that kind of came around? It's, uh, I imagine a lot of people didn't kind of got left behind, essentially, that were silent stars that then became like talky stars. I don't know. Yeah, and when and also with uh, with Myrna Loy, she was big on stage, so she had to also tone that action. You know, not trying to hit the back wall with her acting and turning it into subtlety. Yeah, um, she, where she mostly acts right now with her eyebrows and her nose. Mm. Um, it's uh, you know just a little little twist of the lips uh, <laughs> says so much when she's uh, when she's doing things. I I, I do if if you ever want to see uh, Myrna Loy at her peak, uh, watching her interactions with William Powell and the Thin Man. Where she might make a face, she'll she'll scrunch up her mouth a little, or scrunch her nose, you know, tweak her nose a bit, and she says volumes with just a, a, a couple of muscles in her in her face. Um, very impressive. Oh, that's uh, how we got our wires crossed on the last episode when you said William Powell. 
I thought you meant the director of the Powell and Pressburger films. You mean William Powell, the bloody actor? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, from the Thin Man films. Okay. Yes, yes, him, red, red-haired and uh, mustached. That's him. Um, but and yeah, again, he... Airport seventy-five. She's in. So I'm just going to yes. mention that. Yes, I, I I don't have my IMDb open, but I think she lived in '99. She was uh, one of the older, you know, like Faye Ray types. She she lasted. Uh, yes, December fourteenth, nineteen ninety three. Jim. She was eighty eight years old, born in nineteen oh five in Montana, USA. And yes, uh, began her career as a silent star, but uh, she made it through, uh, right up to doing episodes of Ironside and Columbo in the seventies. And her last project uh, was Love Sydney, which was a TV series. Wow, with, uh, uh, Tony T- Randall. Yeah, Tony Randall. Yeah. Yes. Uh... Oh, okay. I didn't know she was on that one, but yeah, she's uh, just very uh, great longevity, and I don't think you get being where you know where she was without being a, an extremely pleasant person to work with. And so I think uh, yeah, she's probably not not only just a great actress, but she probably was just a, a very nice human being. I think. Yeah, I was going to say you don't, you wouldn't have lasted that long in the business unless you were actually very good in the first place. And she had a career, I guess, you can't uh, enviable. Quite frankly, went from. Uh, basically this almost the start of the century to almost the end so yeah she worked right up until 1982 so she did great had a great innings well done uh, her yeah <laughs> um i do like the uh, thing that i do like in this minute is uh the, the cinematography of being in a crowd because they <laughs> just pressing all those extras behind them and having everybody you know kind of uh uh, running back and forth about and uh, you, you feel the claustrophobia of being mm. stuck in this tight i mean the only thing they're missing is the blue cloud of uh of cigarette smoke that would yeah. be penetrating that, that, that you know the, the back in the smoking days when everybody could smoke anywhere um and, I, was uh, gonna say, I was gonna say there's uh art they're not in the same building at the at the start of the clip versus the end they're in they're all dancing and stuff there's a very particular architectural style and all the wooden uh eaves and uh skirting boards and various things and stuff right yeah it's kind of a tiki look at the, at the beginning that cafe doville yeah, from yesterday at, at the end there's kind of that flavor come through into i guess the living room that they're talking with uh, homer in <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do appreciate by the way pressing the nose against the glass it's kind of very uh Dickensian orphan thing as they're looking in on this, uh, <laughs> yeah, like this look, nightclub. Yes, and and I do like the fact that uh, Frederick March is the only one that seems to be uh, enjoying himself. <laughs> He's having a drink by God. <laughs> yeah, and watching everybody jitterbugging and, and uh, <laughs> bouncing off the walls and things. Um, it's uh, it's intriguing, and, and also watching, gosh, all the the rather frantic entertainers, uh, the, the the jazz singer there with a you know, surrounded by a group of, uh, of brass blast players and a bass fiddle everyone's um, on cocaine <laughs> yeah <laughs> that guy sw- especially that's uh, yeah sweat- to directly in the middle of the minute is like uh, dancing and he's like all over the place shaking yeah, I, his head he's uh yeah just just working off them calories <laughs> uh it's it's a it's a stunner and uh in in the middle of all this where when we get to the uh, the part where it's midnight gardens uh there's a uh a young man playing a guitar rather frantically and sweating. Oh, that's who I was going to mention in the last episode. So you uh, tell your story and I'll tell mine. Well, I'll, I'll tell this uh, that of course, well, I, I, I'm still not sure about this. He is, he is the right age and he does has the right face for it. But according to IMDB and a couple of other sources, that's Tennessee Ernie Ford in an uncredited role. Right. And uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford, perhaps best known for his Basso Profundo and uh, singing the song 16 tons. Right. Um, I have a I have a personal connection with uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford. My uh, my folks when they were married in the 1950s, they went to uh, for their honeymoon. Uh, they traveled uh, out in western U- the western U.S. and uh, visited Las Vegas as Las Vegas was just beginning to open up in the in the mid 50s. 
and uh, they would go to different. Uh, you know, of course, the only the only thing that was open was the uh, film. There, I think it's the Philmont Hotel was the only one that was open. But uh, things like the Sands and the Desert Inn and uh, uh, the Tropicana were just opening, and so. As they were out there, there were I think there were three different openings of different. And I, I think the dunes and the sands were opening, and the stardust. Yeah. Uh, which of course the stardust was named after the uh, nuclear explosions that were going on around around there in the. Uh, it, it, because it, if you looked at their original sign, the stardust sign was built to look like a, a mushroom cloud. And, oh my uh, god! Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> the next time you the next time you see a. Uh, uh, their comments on the war, I guess, or the. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it. Well, that's where you go watch the tests. You know, the the atomic tests were going on just west of town, and uh, you could you could stand. You know, you could sit there and the, the sterilize you know, yourself watching. The, yeah, just, the just you know, stay stay in the swimming pool and wait for the iodine to take effect. But uh, I, I think it was I think it was the opening of the Dunes uh, Hotel. What, what happened was every time there was an opening, my parents would go to the opening and they watch the opening act there. Yes, and uh, they they wait in line and they kept bumping into uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford and his wife, who were also there going to the different shows. And they'd be standing there waiting in line. And uh, they wound up going, by the time the third time came around, my parents were waiting to get into the Dunes Hotel for their for the opening. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the Sands Hotel for their, for their opening. And when they went in, uh, there was no room. There were no tables. There was, you know, everybody was jam-packed, much like this particular minute. And uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford and his wife walked in and uh, uh, Ernie spotted my dad, who he had seen at the previous two openings. Okay. And, and he, uh, Ernie clapped my dad on the shoulder and shook his hand and said, how are you doing tonight? And my dad said, well, you know, it's about the same as always. It's just no room. And so uh, the man, the, the mater D or whatever the, you know, whoever the oh, host so your was. dad didn't recognize that he recognized him. No, no, my dad, my dad knew who he was. Okay. He, but, but it's just, they had been. They had been going to the same openings of all these different things oh, at the, yeah, at the yeah, same yeah. time. So they were all standing in the same lines at the different uh, casinos as they opened. And so here at the third opening, uh, Ernie and my dad seemed to have like this, uh, you know, cosmic connection of how you doing? Oh, it's still the same old, same old. So uh, when the Mater D spotted that my dad was talking with Tennessee Ernie Ford and oh, it seemed like, up. yeah, they, they knew they knew each other apparently. Uh, the the fella got out an extra chair for my mom and my dad, oh, and nice. seated them next to Tennessee Ernie Ford down at the you know the orchestra section right up at the front of the stage show. <laughs> so thanks to thanks to this man with the uh, this man with the funny bow tie that was jumping up and down in in this particular and, minute, and he was uh, like I didn't say put, I was just talking to him I didn't want to just sit by me all night for God's sake. <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's every time I see Tennessee Ernie Ford, I just think he's. He did my dad a favor that he didn't even know he was doing him a favor. <laughs> well, uh, my only gripe with poor Tennessee Annie Ford, bless him, uh, he looks directly at the camera and breaks yeah. character. <laughs> yeah, about twenty-two seconds. I'm like, for God's sake, Hardy, come uh, on. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, <laughs> he's gonna have that shot at uh, <laughs> I, now, apparently no, not acting lessons. That's the problem. Yeah, but he's uncredited, isn't he? So I mean, I was yeah. looking on the cast list the other day, and like, there's a lot of people that are uncredited. I was trying to find out. There was the bartender in a later minute we were going to come to, and I tried to look him up. You'd already done the work, obviously, but then it was like, we, we can talk about him when the time comes, but like, uh, so many things that are uncredited for these people, I guess, because the credits weren't as long as they were. And right. I guess, was it a union rule that you had to kind of have full credits now that at the end of a movie that lasts like seven minutes or, you know, five minutes and stuff? 
yeah, it's it's all. I mean, there's all kinds of, and a lot of these guys were contract players, so they were, yeah. you know, they were working for Goldwyn, so they might have been in this, they might have been in three other movies that week while they were shooting. So it's like, here, put on this tux and now pretend like you can play a cornet. Yeah, and uh, so they they threw them in. <laughs> The fellow behind Tennessee Ernie Ford bears a remarkable resemblance to Phil Hartman. I, I keep looking at his face, and it's like, gosh, he Oh, yeah. Been... Line yeah. lots. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how many of these people. But, uh, again, they were, all, they were all employed. That was the great thing about working for a studio. If you, you might have been pulling in just the regular $32 a week, but, mm. um, you know, you're, you got paid. And especially in a post-war economy, it was, uh, it was tricky. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know I, you had been doing some research on uh, on post-war Britain and people in these situations, and I, I think it was pr- pretty more dire in the UK than it was in the US. It was, although my, my I didn't do much. To, I was so full disclosure, listeners. I was so scared about getting anything wrong in this oh. uh, this movies by minutes. So I neglected most of that, I'm afraid, listeners. <laughs> and I was trying to fi- find out facts about the movie. Admittedly, oh. in hindsight now, me it's, and Jim it's... can fill a warehouse with information anyway, regardless of doing that. I think I just got inside my own head and was going, Jim, I'll send you the notes I've made. It's, it's just, ridiculous. It's, it's, just an enter- it's just an entertainment venue that we're in here. We're just, <laughs> just chat. It's, 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 not, for, it's, it's not Jeopardy, don't worry. It's <laughs> literally the scroll up on my Mac. It's like 40 feet long of notes I've made. <laughs> and I've neglected collected the one thing you asked me to do which was post-war britain the effects thereof well, that you being might, said it, let's uh, let's let's look at it let's look at it this way clement attlee was the prime minister i did get that before we, okay. before like before it <laughs> fell apart i was like i don't know anything about this film i need to learn about this film <laughs> let's, 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 let's go let's, let's take back a step <laughs> you, ethan obviously you come from a family you have a family yes do you have any uh, recollections from your family as to what post-war Britain was like? Well, I know this much. My great-grandfather worked uh, for a factory and was on quite a good wage considering, because uh, it was post, sorry, during war. Uh, he was in a factory that was making all the bombs and the shells. And I think my grandmother also were there. I think that's where they met. Unconfirmed. I need to look that up. I should have. <laughs> uh, so they were very much a part of the war effort. And he kind of ran the factory that was like... Uh, you know producing a lot of the armaments and weapons so considering for the time they were doing i guess quite well uh so that's it and i think there were some ration books and films room black and white and <laughs> cobblestone streets and i'm yes. sorry i messed up no, that's fine. my fine. research went completely down the wrong rabbit hole honestly right. jim i was so panicky but like oh god this is serious this is like a big project it's 10 <laughs> episodes it's not three or five no oh god no no you don't know anything about this film like, i've literally been my hair has gone gray trying oh, to find things for this film <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do a, a bonus episode at the end of all this an addendum i will come back at you with some proper family history and some information of post-war britain we can put put an end note where, where, the, where find, Clement Attlee was the prime minister. Find, find your bit. find your eldest eldest relatives, and we'll stick a microphone on them, and you can say, "What was it like back on the war, Daddy?" That kind of thing. But it's um, no, it's it's fine. I should ask I, my mother. Quite frankly, she's eighty five now on her last legs. I I, I, we need, I need to ask her quick for this. Uh, this show runs out of, of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, just get get at her, Mom. Give me all <laughs> everything you remember. You're ten years old. What happened? Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's hula hoop and stick we used to play with on the cobblestone streets. <laughs> Jack the Ripper was my cousin. Wrong era, Ethan. Shut up. <laughs> uh, 
Episode two, listeners, I've already let him down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The, this was yeah, this it, was what I was worried about, Jim. It was this moment coming up where I wouldn't have an answer for you. There's one thing I have, listeners, in life and in podcasting. I always have an answer, or I can plaster over the cracks with some yeah. flotsam and jetsam, and I've, yeah. I've cocked it up. Well, I see. I, I thought you were. I thought you were going to just have a sudden confession. It was like I've, I'm really from Sweden. <laughs> I'm just living here. This this is my best accent ever. Um, but it's yeah. It's a uh, yeah. You, it, you it, knew it, Teresa Wright was brought by Samuel Goldwyn to Hollywood in 1941, didn't you, Ethan, to play Bette Davis's daughter in Little Foxes? <laughs> oh yes. But how much was Ovaltine in 1947? You don't know, do you? Get off my show. <laughs> oh dear. No, it's fine. It's we're, we're, the. Yeah, the the weirdest thing with this about this with me is I'm old. I'm very old, and twenty seven. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can remember like like when I was a kid, I everybody I knew had a dad who was in World War Two. I mean, they were all in World War Two together, and and some of them were in the Pacific. Some of them were in the European theater. Some of them were, you know, guard. Uh, <laughs> my my uncle my uncle Bernie would talk about how he. Uh, he had to uh, guard San Antonio from the Koreans because that's a, he was he was drafted and he, he went Those in the Air Japs Force. Well, you could be politically incorrect and stuff, yeah. Well, he was he was <laughs> he was he was back in uh, back during the Korean War. He was you know drafted and it was like, where am yeah, I going to yeah. go? He's like, well, you're going to San Antonio, and he wound up being like a gate guard and uh, didn't have to go anywhere. But you know that was during the Korean War era, and he said, I I protected. Uh, Mm. I protected San Antonio from the North Koreans, and apparently he it succeeded. So, you know, it, it's, um... <laughs> it was just him. Yeah. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> well, actually, you know what, Jim? I can ask you this, because, uh, you know, you're, you're, I'll defer to you again, obviously, because you're you. Uh, post-war, was it – I mean, this film does obviously deal with that, like uh, PTSD, re-assimilating re re back into society – uh, was it not a badge of honor to be kind of a war veteran then? I mean, I know Vietnam era it wasn't, and we had all the you know the various things that happened in the seventies, like post and during Vietnam. I assume the entire country would be behind you when you came back. Were you not some kind of hero? You get a job in anything you wanted, I guess, within reason. Well, well, I, the problem, and you know, as as they're going to experience as this, you know, this is his first night back, but as yeah. they're going to experience the things come up, many of the problems that they're showing in here, everybody that came back was a war hero, but. The problem was there weren't enough jobs. There weren't enough things going on. There was yeah. a shortage of ready cash. There were a lot of shortages. Everything that had been pointed at, you know, defeating uh, the Axis powers was now having to get turned back into the American economy and yeah. also building up. And, and there we had lost markets because, you know, Europe was in rubble. Well, they and... say Churchill bankrupted the economy fighting Hitler, didn't he? And we still, I guess, kind of haven't recovered if you look at it as a kind of... Uh national debt metric we still haven't quite caught up god knows what corona's done to further put us into that hole but uh yeah i do remember that yeah and it, it's you know I, I mean we're still feeling repercussions i mean it's you know we have a un we have nato and these all came out of world war ii mm. and building all that stuff up it's been 75 years and we still have i mean there I are still troops that. in germany yeah i'm not sure who we're protecting from you know but it's like the idea that we have all these bases there that are um you know 75 years on just to has... make sure those dirty germans don't come back <laughs> smash the kaiser that's the first one or whatever yeah but you know it, it's it's all of those things uh we still feel this uh three quarters of a century later yeah and and these people were on the front you know th these people are the brunt of that they they're catching 
well, what are we going to do now that we're not at war since we turned the entire economies of most of the world over to fighting mm. a, a place that didn't exist anymore? Um, it, you know, it's, uh, and they'll, they'll be, they'll, they reexamine these things. If you think of uh, Billy Wilder's movie, uh, One, Two, Three, mm. with uh, Jimmy Cagney, where, uh, you know, Cagney is put in the middle of West Berlin to sell uh, Coca-Cola. And, um, you know, here that that movie was done in 1960. So 15 years on, he was still dealing with, uh, you know, the different the American sector and the French sector and the British sector and all this and the Russian sector. Um, you know, that's 15 years after the events here taking place. So they're still dealing with the business aspects of how to deal with a post-war world. So again, you had a generation of lost men, essentially, with, you know, not enough jobs. and Yeah. Like, or, that, yeah? or too much to too much to put back together. Mm. Um, as we get into the second half of this minute, as we're getting into, like we, we leave Al to his drinking and, uh, we get back to Homer's story where, uh, Homer and his potential future in-laws are over visiting at the parish household. And, um, Wilma's dad is pontificating on how, uh, he sees that, you know, there's hell to pay and it's going to be a depression and it's, we're just going back to bad times again. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and uh, and poor Homer is sitting there going, well, yeah, I'm going to get a disability check for the rest of my life, but uh, I would like to do something and find something to do. And here, uh, did they take you know, care of better care of veterans back then? Uh, hit and miss. What you know, it depends on what what you talk about. I mean, they're mm. the veterans. The veterans Administration was there, and they were they took care of uh, physical problems. You know, they they provided him with those prosthetics, but uh, for mental problems, not really. It's and that's been you know the, the problem in the va has has constantly been how do you deal with uh the they say a lot emotional... of them, i guess the homeless in your country and here in the uk a lot of them are war veterans that just, yeah yeah can't get it together or have been like falling through the cracks in the system as it were and not getting the, the help they need yeah uh, interesting mm -hmm. thing to bring up uh at the moment with harold russell is after he after william wyler to tell them ah nobody wants a uh, an actor with no hands um he went back he went back got his bba and then uh, uh decided to get involved with the uh disabled american veterans association the dav and later wound up being president of the dav so he fought for veterans benefits especially for disabled veterans and became mm. quite a uh, an advocate uh for the rest of his life doing that so uh yes, it's that's one of my it's notes got on the it's gotten better since then, but I mean, there's still still a lot to do. I do know I I know many veterans from uh, from the sixties and fifties uh, and sixties now uh, who deal with the Veterans Administration and said that they've improved mightily. Their uh, their services are a lot better, um, and uh, the, the services available to their to their dependents have also uh, become a lot better. Do you know how William Wyler found Harold Russell? Why did he want to go for a non-actor? Did he just want a real war veteran in it to kind of like make it real? He must have he, looked through hundreds of actors or hundreds of war veterans that could, I guess, act. Or, or did he have a lot of trouble filming this with Harold? From what I understand, they found him in. Uh, he was in. He was in a uh, army training. Uh, video, I think that's an army know. training film. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. On uh, he, of course. Uh, I think probably I, I haven't listened to everybody, but I, I think people have brought this up that he uh, lost his hands on D-Day in North Carolina. He was uh, showing people how to use um, reaching claymores into a cookie jar. Yeah, and then uh, lost his hands there and uh, wound up in an army training film. He was in the army. He's playing Navy here, but he was in the army. And, uh, you know, that just seeing him act in that film, Wyler said, I've got to get this guy. And it, it, this original part was 
going to be about somebody who was shell shocked, but uh, actually showing a direct physical liability uh, for him. It's a bit like a pre hurt locker, isn't it? Because that's kind of a a soldier trying to reassimilate back into society, and he just keeps going back into war because that's any time he feels alive. Weirdly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or like um, uh, the John Voight film Coming Home, yeah. uh, similar to Vietnam. And, and there's, there's been, I mean, there's been a lot of movies using the same theme, but I, I think Harold Russell kind of pioneered it, yeah. in at least in talkies. If you watch uh, the movie The Big Parade with John Gilbert, 1925, it's a silent film where uh, he comes back disabled and just thinking about all the people. He has a hard time dealing with not only his uh, physical loss, but also dealing with um, realizing how many people have been lost with him all of his friends are gone and dead uh, which i want to go i mean we're talking about this minute but I, I, something that that i thought about uh, for yesterday's minute when we talked about uh, the mm. cafe doville doville uh right now it's known as kind of the uh, it's like con it's 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 like the beverly hills kind of a place mm. but one of the things that doville was known about previously was that it was the setting for uh, Proust's novel, the uh, uh, the Search for Lost Time, uh, uh, the Research de Tom Perdue. Yes. Um, and that is about things that bring up other things in your mind, and you realize how much time you've lost. You've, you've there's things that you used to be very familiar with, and now they come up in a memory, and you're like, I had a whole world back then, and it's gone. And this is, uh, you know, Deauville as a representation of, of Proust's work, it's, um, I, 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 there's so many, there's so many directions to go with this, but it's, it's like he, I think Harold Russell think, you know, not Harold Russell, but Homer thinks about the life that he's lost. And we get, we keep getting constant reminders of that. Like when they were flying over the football stadium and he thinks Mm. about how many forward passes he did. And there's things like his guns and his, um, you know, all all the the, machine shop where he, you know, in his, in his garage that. Born on the 4th of July. That's another one. Yeah, born on the fourth of July, of course. And I um, think is it Avengers: Age of Ultron? Is it one of the Transformers films? Where they get actual World War Two veterans to be in the film and fight back really? the alien oh. threat. I think it is. Yeah, I'm either, I'm either thinking it. I know there's war veterans in Age of Ultron because I wow. think Stan Lee plays one of them, doesn't he? And he goes, "Yes, yeah, yeah." Um, it's uh, I have a yeah. I mean, there's there's got to be a bunch. I'm sure it is of a genre subtype. Um, it would be it'll be an interesting list to put together on IMDb. If, you know, go go through uh, coming coming back and and returning from uh, from drinking. Red Badge of Courage kind of would be in that ilk. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of uh, or, you know, there's there's probably um, well, what's the one with Richard Gere, uh, Civil War, where he comes back and he's been wounded. Summersby. Um, yeah. How do you know? I know because how do you know? I know because I never loved him the way I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect Jodie Foster impression. That's a scary quote. You know. <laughs> it's from the trailer. I just remember that for yes. some reason. Um, but yeah. Is he actually, is he, is he, he's not, her husband though, is, is he in the film? I don't think. He's like an imposter. But yes, I think she prefers that's... him anyway. So she just yeah. keeps her mouth shut in the end. It's Richard yeah. Gere, Jodie. Shut your mouth. Take See, the money. <laughs> <laughs> see there's your next minute movie i can see i can, I can feel it coming uh but uh welcome to shut your mouth and take the money these summers be podcasts with me ethan mckinley shut your mouth and take the minute yeah it's, uh, <laughs> yes there we go <laughs> uh um we get uh the other uh, one thing i'm, I'm sure other I, I haven't listened to all uh, we we've, we've had all the all the episodes come in but i haven't listened to all of them and i don't want to because i don't want to i don't want to be the one that 
I know all the all the all the things going on behind the scenes, but uh, one of the one of the my favorite things about uh, Weiler's working on this is mm. his obsession with deep focus. And if in the second half of this uh, film, everything's in focus. I mean, from the, there's a there's a stack of pipes, uh, smoking pipes in the foreground, and all the way to the back wall where Homer's sitting, everything's in focus. So you kind of get. And, and everything's on kind of a diagonal, so you get kind of drawn into the picture in the center of the, the center of the character being Homer. So you're the Homer character in this. Um, how is that? So, how would that be achieved? Is it a split diopter when you get foreground and background in focus? I, there's a split in the lens, isn't it? But it gives I, you this yeah, perfect... I think this is a very low horizontal split diopter. I may I think be wrong. De Palma used uh, that a lot quite in his films, didn't he? So yeah, you get, like what's happening behind you, perfect, and you're perfect as well. Yeah, Robert Robert Wise does it a lot in uh, in many of his films. Uh, mm. Star a, Trek, the motion picture, I remember there's a bunch in there as well. Yep, and in yeah. uh, Andromeda Strain, which I've, I've already taken <laughs> taken and apart. He, I think he, it, it, when you watch Andromeda Strain, you think, well, he rented a, a giant split diopter uh, thing. He's, can we use the split diopter in this scene? How about this scene? So it just it just seems to come across a lot. I have to say, going off off topic, but uh, I rarely think of it. I think he might be one of my favorite directors because he's done stuff like, like you said, the Andromeda Strain, then Star Trek, Day of the Earth is still, but also he's done like West Side Story, right? Ben Hur, yeah. So there's, yeah. I think he's probably got one of the most eclectic, uh, I guess, oh, yeah, portfolios yeah. or CVs or resumes for a director. Yeah, he's uh, and apparently again, he's, uh, I would say easy to work with because he did get a lot of he did get a lot of work back in mm. the day. Um, but, uh, just a, a beautiful staging here. I just like looking over, uh, Homer's dad's ear, looking at Wilma and it, it's, it, you just feel drawn into, you're part of that circle of people chatting mm. and, um, it, it really, it feels, you feel like you're, you're part, you're, you're in that whole, and the little that whole girl film. staring at these hooks. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it, it just hit me. Ben Hur is not, Ben Hur is a William Wyler film. Sound of Music would be, uh, uh that's it. There Robert, you go. Robert Wise. But both 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 men's uh, portfolios are impressive, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, definitely a stunning minute. I uh, definitely a stunning it. minute. And then, folks, that's my cue, of course. So we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for listening. That was uh, episode thirty-two. If you made it this far, well done. I hope you had as much fun as me and Jim did. Jim outing me for the the worst research ever. But no. there we go. I've got got to none of my notes. I'm going to carry them on to the next minute, actually, because we're still going to discuss uh, Howard Russell. Yes. But. I was going to say thank you all for listening. Now, this podcast can be found at the Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. It's also available at Butch's Place. If you want to go on Facebook, we've got a page, Butch's Place, the best years of our lives listeners cafe on Facebook and Twitter and Best Minutes. If you're a fan of the Rocketeer, there's also a Bulldog Cafe you can uh, liaise with uh, us as well on. And, of course, on Friday – oh, don't say that bit, do I? Please mention it. Oh, don't say it, but do it. I need to take the blurb off this. Sorry, listeners, behind the curtain. We have to, he's going to cut this anyway, probably. Anyway, apparently now there are over 180-minute uh, podcasts. You know who you are, and you're probably participating in this show, so why would you need to know that? But hey, for those that don't know, if you've got a favorite movie out there, there's most likely a one-minute podcast about it where we break down the films one minute at a time. You can find this and all the other minutes at moviesbyminutes.com, and you should also check out the uh, sites for each individual show, as you wish. So that was a bit of a, a fist in mouth uh, diatribe, but there we go. <laughs> 
thank you for listening listeners but uh, before we go Jim can anyone find you anywhere apart from at those uh, above badly uh, signposted places you can check me out at my uh, uh, my universal uh, point to everything else uh, site at jimokane.com j-i-m-o-k-a-n-e.com and if you have all my endeavors and as I jump in and bite into what Jim was saying apologies Jim uh, you can find me at uh, Ethan underscore mckinley on instagram i guess uh you can go to uh, youtube and go to the two minute terminator the podcast that made me notorious i don't think famous but notorious probably the only place you can find that show and uh, we will see you tomorrow wednesday for minute 33 jim O'Kane, thank you for uh having me and i having you co-pilots we hit hyperspace and go off into the future and we'll see you tomorrow thank you Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.